0: Lent is upon us, and many of us are tempted to fast just to lose a few pounds. But there's so much more to it. Today, it's my joy to talk with Dr. Carrie Behrens, who will give us some wonderful spiritual and scientific insights into fasting for health and holiness.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, and today we're talking about fasting for health and holiness with Dr. Carrie Behrens. Dr. Behrens has worked in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. She has extensive education and experience in physical education, wellness, nutrition, and teaching individuals with disabilities. Dr. Behrens holds two master's degrees, adapted PE and teaching, and a PhD in kinesiology. She currently teaches exercise physiology and nutrition at the university level and was previously a physical education consultant for deaf preschoolers and K-12 students in Texas. To enhance her personal proficiency in sign language and nutrition, she traveled twice to the Jamaica Deaf Village for mission work and is certified as a fitness nutrition coach and sports nutrition specialist. Dr. Behrens is passionate about education, She home-educated her three children for over 18 years and has worked in online higher education since 2008. Dr. Behrens lives with her husband and children in Michigan. You can reach her at drdr__behrens, B-E-R-E-N-D-S, at msn.com. That's in our show notes. And by the way, her courses at Homeschool Connections are fantastic. Find high school health, personal fitness, and high school health nutrition, as well as ASL1 and ASL2. Dr. Barons, thanks so much for making time to be with us again today.
2: Thank you. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So we're talking about fasting in this, this kind of duality. We're, we're spirit and body. Why don't we start by just defining what we mean by fasting?
2: Sure. So the word fasting really means the practice of abstaining from something. That's really all it means. And most often people fast by not consuming some sort of food or drink. So that could include things like meats or alcohol or sweets like refined sugars. And sometimes God even calls to fast from things like social media. I and mean, you've heard of people taking Facebook breaks or trying to put their phone down or limit the amount of time they spend on their computers or maybe television. So all of that really encompasses what it means to
0: fast because it just means to abstain from something. Great, thank you so much. That's really clear. Thank you uh, for defining that. Let's see. And is there any time when, let's say, fasting is not such a good idea? Why don't we just address that out of the gate? Tonight? Yeah, sure. There are certain populations that probably
2: shouldn't partake in f- fasting um, for medical reasons and also for um, other reasons. And some of those might include if somebody's diabetic, um, they need to keep their blood sugar consistent, and they would be used to monitoring that and and um, eating food and exercising on a schedule to maintain constant blood sugar. Another reason might be somebody who has had experience with an eating disorder. Fasting could maybe trigger them to go back into a pattern that is unhealthy. So those are two examples of times where probably fasting is something that should be avoided.
0: And I feel like anybody who's on a really restricted diet might have to find another way as you said, there's a lot of different ways to fast, and of course, biblically abstaining from food and water entirely, such as when the Ninevites just suddenly put on sackcloth and ashes. That's a really powerful thing to do, but it's not always the healthy thing to do for us, is it? Right. You
2: do need to be smart about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, great. So step us into what do we mean by spiritual fasting? Why is it important?
2: Sure. Well, Spiritual fasting is something that people participate in to generally get closer to God. I mean, if we're going to simplify it, that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at what can I do to take my thoughts and my actions and surrender 100% to the heart of God and what he wants for my life. And so the idea of fasting is multifaceted. First of all, we're giving something up. Right, so we're saying I'm I'm willing to make a sacrifice, and I think right there, um, that's an offering. It's an it's an action that we can tangibly show God that we're really willing to focus on Him. That things that are of this world are not of the most importance to us. Um, that we really want to put Him first, and we really want to push aside something in our life that maybe becoming an idol or might be something that's. Um, too important to us, and so we've recognized that, and we want to push that aside. Spiritual fasting is pleasing to God if it's done out of a spirit of repentance and humility, and so I think it's really the why. Why do you want to fast, right? It's not to show off. You know, oh, I'm fasting. You know, for this and that reason. Um, it's not so that we can get some personal benefits from it. It's really so that um, we show God. We're willing to push something aside in our life and put him first and to get a reminder of that. Oftentimes when we choose food or drink or um, sweets or something that has to do with what we are ingesting and we choose that as something to fast from, we get reminded of that because we get cravings. You know, we're humans, we get hunger pangs and we get cravings. And the idea sometimes is, you know what, when I feel that and when I recognize that, it's okay. I'm going to take that moment of recognition and that sign in my body to turn my focus to God, whether they be to pray or to open my Bible and and read scripture. But those signals and signs in our bodies can be times that we can use fasting to turn our attention to him.
0: Yeah. It's like, Who answers all my needs? Stepping into that moment where your body's telling me I need something and reaching for God. What a great thing to program your brain to do. Absolutely.
2: Right? And we should be doing that all the time, but we get caught up in our lives and we get caught up in our activities and we just don't um, turn to him first. It's not our first thought. And this is one way to get us back into the habit of, you know, when we struggle or we're having we need an answer or whatever it might be throughout our day we should be constantly turning our focus to god and this is one way to maybe perhaps bring us back into that habit
0: yeah yeah and and the other thing about fasting too that i notice is because we can become accidentally a little self important because so many people depend on us that that shifting of our mindset puts us back into child of god not co-manager with god absolutely right
2: we're not a co-pilot, we're in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Can you give us some examples that you like from scripture that can help us to kind of draw into what it looks like?
2: Sure, absolutely. So both the Old and the New Testament, both we see biblical examples of fasting in others and also with Jesus. So Esther called the Jewish Jewish people to fast before she risked her life and appeared before the king, and that's in the book of Esther. So we can go, and if we need to remind ourselves, you know, where's a a time in scripture where maybe people were called to fast and we need um, that reinforcement, go to Esther and take a look at what happened in that book. Also, David fasted as he asked God to spare his child after Nathan's rebuke. That's in Samuel. So we can um, focus on that if we're maybe struggling or trying to find a reason why we might want to participate in fasting. Go ahead and read that story as well. And then also um, the early church in um, Antioch fasted and prayed together, which was the setting for Paul and Barnabas to get sent out. That's an Acts. I love Acts. If anybody asks me what's your favorite book of the Bible, I would say Acts, because I always feel like Acts is instructions for life. I don't know why. I just feel like if I want to know how am I supposed to be living my life, God, I go to Acts. I just feel like that in Ephesians, both those books really kind of give me some... I don't know, guidance or examples. Um, I feel like I'm reading instructions on these are some ways that I should be living. And so that's one of the stories that you might want to check out in Acts. And then, of course, Jesus, right? He was the best example that we've ever had. And I would actually like to read scripture for you. And this is from um, the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6. Sixteen, eighteen. he gave instructions on what heart level fully surrendered fasting really looks like. So the Bible says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do for they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. And don't you love when he says that? That means tune in, right? I tell you the <laughs> truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So, th- so what a beautiful passage, right? What a beautiful message. And I think what Jesus is saying there is it's not about you, right? It's, it's never about you. It's about me. <laughs> and this is a time to refocus on me. Um, this is something between you and me. This is private. This is special. This is something that you're doing for God on your own. This is not for man. This is not for you. This is a time when you can really grow your faith, when you can draw closer to God, where you can use the opportunity to say, I'm doing this for nobody else, Lord, but you. So I really love that passage. That's that's my favorite example is um, we're actually told that we can use this as a means to show God that
0: it is really all about him. That's just so beautiful to shift that because let's face it, our human nature is really to always think about what's this going to cost me? How much of my time is this going to take? Can I do it instead of like throwing our lot in with the Lord?
2: Yeah, Exactly. Because, I mean, people do worry about that. I think so many things in life we think about, well, if we follow this Christian way or, you know, if we we live out our faith, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be boring and it's going to be no fun and I can't do this and I can't do that. But then I think through these practices, we learn that, oh, it's so rewarding and it feels so good and it's so fulfilling. And so I think that's one of the things we have to consider is although you consider fasting as withholding, I think that we need to shift in thinking that fasting is a way of receiving.
0: Wow. I love that. Not withholding, but receiving, that we're opening up to something that we have to make some space for. Exactly. Oof. I love that. Um, so now as an expert in nutrition and fitness and all of that, there are a lot of different types of fasting that are out there for us to try. And since we're talking about health and holiness, what different types would you like to highlight for us today?
2: Well, so intermittent fasting is, so in the in the exercise and science and in the nutrition world, we like to differentiate if something is a trend, if something is a fad And if something is really true science, right? And so I have to say that fasting or what we know is the term intermittent fasting, because that's what people are doing these days. It's a little of both of, I mean, of all three. So people hear, oh, everybody's intermittent fasting. I'm going to try this. Um, Is there any truth to it? What is it involved? So usually what it just means is that we want to withhold food and drink for a certain amount of time throughout our 24-hour period. So the general and most um, common way is what we call a 16-8 method. That means that somebody will not eat for 16 hours, and then they will eat all of the food for that 24-hour period within an eight-hour period of time. And I'll go over the pros and cons of fasting um, for health reasons shortly. Um, another one is called Eat, Stop, Eat. You know it sounds kind of funny, but <laughs> that involves fasting for 24 hours once or twice a week. So then you, um, you're you having periods of long fasting and then back to your regular eating. And then finally, there's what's called the 5-2 diet. With this method, you consume only five to 600 calories on two non-consecutive days. And then the other days you eat just a normal amount of food. So I could go over each one of those and tell you the pros and cons of each one, but I would rather just kind of think of, in general, if you're fasting for health reasons, what might be the pros and what might be the cons? So the pros are, generally when people fast or they only eat in an eight-hour period or a smaller amount of period of a day, they reduce their caloric intake. And that's what we call a deficit. So when we talk about needing to lose weight, if people are overweight, and we do know that 42.7%, that's the exact amount right now, of Americans are overweight, then we do need to reduce how many calories that we take in on a period. And we need to have a calorie deficit. That means we take in less calories than we actually require. So all of us require a certain amount of calories every day, right? We need to get up and work and and function. And maybe we exercise or maybe we have a job that requires calories. Well, generally, if you're only eating for a short period of time in a 24-hour period, you take in less calories overall. And when you take in less calories overall, you're in a deficit and you end up losing weight. So it's almost like um, a known side effect of you're just taking in less calories. So I guess that can be a pro if you're needing to lose weight, that intermittent fasting might work for you. So another um, thing that can be a pro is a lot of people snack at night. They eat before bed or they they eat while they watch TV. But if they have a set window where they know they're going to stop eating at a certain time, that can avoid that because eating late at night can sometimes interrupt our sleep. Um, there might be caffeine or sugar that we intake, and that has makes it difficult for us to get to sleep. Um, it might be that we're taking in too many calories before bed. And you know, you think about when we eat, it's really for energy. That's the whole reason God gave us food. Of course, it's enjoyable, but we eat it because we have to get through our day. Well, when you eat at 10, 11 o'clock at night, you're going to bed. You don't really need to have an additional meal before bed. So intermittent fasting can help or fasting in general for a certain period of time. So you don't eat too many calories before you go to bed. Another thing is um, when you follow this kind of pattern, you don't have to do a lot of planning. You know, you just say, all right, I'm going to get up and go through my my day. I might have black coffee or tea in the morning. um, I'm going to eat. And most people who follow this lifestyle, they try to eat pretty healthy foods, but they don't worry about it too much. They're just going to say, I'm going to eat my meals between 12 and 8 or 10 and 6, whatever it might be. And you don't have to plan too much. You just follow the time. So it's that's some of the pros of why people do that. Some of the things that you might not want to do is fasting gives you a high dropout rate. It's hard to do. It's really hard to not eat for several hours at a time. So I would say, um, I think I read the statistics was something like around 30 something percent of people are able to continue a fasting regimen over a long period of time. And that's not a lot of success. And nobody wants to feel like they weren't successful at something, right? (laughs) Another thing is we call it hangry. (laughs) You know, when you get hungry um, and you haven't eaten for hours, you get kind of snippy. I don't know. My kids kind of tell me, mom, do you need to eat something or to go work out because you tend to be a little hangry right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It can affect our mood. If we don't, if we don't have food for several hours, Um, it can also affect our energy levels and um, people who are, have advanced diabetes or perhaps um, a history, like I said, of eating disorders probably shouldn't participate in fasting um, because it's not the best thing for their health, both mentally and physically. So one more thing I wanted to talk about too, is I really feel like God gave us food to enjoy. And I feel like food, food is often a time of fellowship and sharing, um, celebration. We use it as part of even spiritual practices. You know, we, Jesus had the last supper and he broke bread and he gave wine and it's a symbol. So I really feel like we need to make sure we're not restricting ourselves so much that it interferes with our social or our spiritual lives. And oftentimes, if we restrict ourselves to only a small period of time of eating, then something might occur like a birthday party or an event, and you would like to partake in that event, including the food. And if you're fasting, then you're not going to be able to participate in that event. And so you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons if you'd rather put that aside and and just partake in the event in life. As, as I've said in one of my previous podcasts, it's about moderation and balance, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and and looking at the the outcomes that are happening in your life, too, am I missing out on that slice of birthday cake? That kind of reduces the happiness of the gathering, or whatever. I remember when my daughter was little, I had my baby very late in life because I had struggled to conceive, and I'd always been a gym person—couple hours a day, many days a week—and fasting a couple days a week. I was doing Wednesday and Fridays, most of the day just bread and water. I was totally fine. I was like, you know, like a just a very high energy person in my 40s. And so but I started working with a spiritual director and I had a little girl at home full time at this point in my mid 40s and and my spiritual director said knock it off <laughs> start having all your meals with her that's important time with her you're not fasting like that anymore not until she's older and I, and I really thought about it and it did give me something back it did reveal a place where there was a deficit I wasn't kind of affirming her and enjoying and in her food. If I was separating myself out, it just created this weird dynamic I wasn't even aware of until he pointed it out. I can no longer do that, by the way, in my 60s, not possible. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good example though too, also that um,
2: you know we have children at home and from young children to teenagers to college age, um, we're setting the example and we need to be able to justify our actions. We need to step back and say, why am I doing this? Um, am I fasting for my health or am I really fasting be- because of my figure? And is this the best way of going about it? And what kind of example of am I showing? Now for fasting for spiritual reasons, that can be a really wonderful job to sh- or time to share your reasons and-, and how what it means to you and putting your focus back on God. So I think anytime we do things like that, especially with young girls, we have to be very careful about body image and how we are portraying dieting. And so we want to be careful that we're really teaching them positive lifelong habits and stopping and teaching them to think the why. Why am I doing this? Am I making a good decision for myself? And just because also we try something doesn't mean we have to stick with it, right? So it may be that you say, all right, I've determined this is something I want to do. And just because you decide it's not right for you doesn't mean you failed at it. It's okay to stop a meal plan or to stop a lifestyle of something that's not working with you. It doesn't mean you failed. It actually means you discovered what is not working for you. And
0: that's that's a positive thing. I feel like it's a learning mindset and homeschoolers are so familiar with this. We try different curricula. We try different courses of action. If it's not working for our family, it's okay. It's part of our learning journey. Exactly. And
2: it's the same way with really finding out what works for you when it comes to fasting. Um, And and it might be for one person for spiritual fasting. It might be that the time of Lent is the perfect time for them to try to work this in and, and try something. It might be that whatever they do for 40 days is something that continually carries over into their life. And they decide this is something that has really benefited my relationship with God and my spiritual practices with myself or my family, and you want to continue it. Um, but that is a good time to, to really think about, is, is spiritual fasting something that I want to try during this season to turn my focus to God before Easter?
0: Yeah, and there's always that moment, too. I feel like with abstaining from anything or even from stopping the fast for someone else's sake, there's that little moment of self-denial where we step out of our impulses and into that place of greater awareness of God and of ourselves. So the whole process, starting, stopping, you know, taking breaks, being present to people so we can make happy memories in the midst of Lent, especially if you're with people who maybe are not on board with what you're doing or don't understand what you're doing, you know, kind of a when in Rome, I'm not telling people what to do, but that's a possible, a possible course of action is to just be present to them in their tradition when you are with other people. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So as we're starting to move in now to this liturgical season, give us some thoughts on how we relate our our fasting, and maybe some of the specifics of the season.
2: Sure. So I've always been a t- type of person, I, I like Mondays. I like New Year's Eve, right? The first of the year, the first of the month. I feel like it's a, a, just a time where we get to reexamine. we get a fresh start. I feel that way when we come into this entire Easter season. That this is a time where I think, all right, God, what's something that I can do that I can commit to? I know that it's going to be a time of, of commitment to Him and learning more about myself and, and giving. To me, I've always given something up. I think my parents were the ones that started with that, right? We would always say, all right, what are we giving up for Lent this time? Or what are we changing that's different? And so I feel like it is a good time to incorporate getting something out of our lives that perhaps we think might be uh, taking over our thoughts or becoming an idol or just isn't good for us. And I, myself, one year, and this is over 10 years ago now, I gave up sugar for Lent. And I thought, this is going to be really tough, right? That's a a long time to give up sugar. And then when I'm done, I get to go back to eating cookies and cake and candy and all the good stuff. (laughs) And so I did give up sugar. I made it through the 40 days. And I so surprised myself that at the end of that time, I would have something sweet and I, and it would just tasted so sugary and so heavy. And I thought, you know what? I only, one or two bites is really good where I used to maybe eat the whole piece of cheesecake, one or two bites of cheesecake. And I felt satisfied. And I think back that it's that satisfaction was the key. I was more, I was more satisfied by God and his word and his time and how I'd drawn close to him that the food was not as satisfying to me anymore. I enjoyed it and I had some. Um, And like, even I made cookies for my daughter this weekend. And I think I had one cookie and I'm like, I'm good. Um, Whereas before I might've wanted three or four, kept eating them throughout the week. And so I kind of learned over that time to satisfy my desires more with God and less with earthly things. So that was just one of my personal journeys of how you can um, give something up for Lent And in the long run, you realize that you've almost taught yourself to seek satisfaction from things that are not of this earth, right? That's what we're told to do. I really love fish Fridays, right? Giving up meat on Fridays and having fish Fridays. Um, I remember my mom, um, she and I used to love to cook together. She's no longer here on this earth. She's in heaven with my dad, but she was a master at coming up with Friday fish meals. And so we shared a lot of recipes, but fish Fridays are excellent ways of incorporating protein into our diet and omegas. I mean, fish, especially salmon, um, it contains a lot of omega fats, and those are really good for our brain and our health. So I would really encourage that this is a great time to stick to and make sure you get that fish in on Fridays and uh, get those omega oils into your life. Also, this is a socially acceptable time to be fasting. This is a time where your family can join in, your friends can support you, your church community is behind you, everybody's really kind of doing the same thing. You can share with each other and support one another. So this is a good time to try fasting and try giving up or abstaining from something in your life because you you have the support during this lentil time. And then also spring is just a time of newness. Uh, as we come into the Easter season, you know, the well we're in michigan so the snow's going to melt and the buds <laughs> are going to come up and it's a sign of christ's resurrection to me it's a symbol of rising from the dead it's a sacrifice that jesus made for us and and although that you know we can't compare giving up sugar to christ's sacrifice but we can still relate to or be able to say this was a sacrifice given for me the least i can do is endure a sacrifice to draw me closer to him So those are just some really key reasons of why you might want to try. And remember, fasting just means abstaining from something. It doesn't mean you don't need to eat for hours. It really just means abstaining from something. So we need to think in a broader context of what fasting even means.
0: This is so good, Carrie. This is just delightful. It's kind of uh, to use a little pun since we're talking about food. It's this is all just so good to chew on. To, yeah, to, you know, and I to so, be reminded.
2: It's good to be yeah. reminded. I need to be reminded. This is helping me prepare for the season as well.
0: Mm, yeah. So why don't you leave us with some final thoughts to just take away from this whole conversation, Carrie?
2: Yeah. So I like to present information. In my profession, to people, and then I I want them to make up their own mind. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. And so I just want to encourage people to um, read more about spiritual fasting, talk to people about their own experiences and, and what it did for them, consider the pros and cons, and keep it reasonable, right? We want to keep things real. Don't try to do something that is so far out of your grasp that you're going to feel like you're a failure if you don't do it. It's okay. God wants our best, but Sometimes we put more pressure on ourselves than need be. So I would just like to encourage people to learn more about fasting. Consider if it's something that you want to participate in. Make that decision and then be gentle on yourself and realize the ultimate goal is just to draw us closer to God. And if even we get this much closer, isn't that just a glorious thing?
0: Amen and amen. And everybody, please uh, do reach out to Dr. Carrie Behrens. And again, her emails on the show notes. That's dr underscore, it's D-R underscore B-E-R-E-N-D-S at msn.com. And remember to check out her courses at Homeschool Connections. She's fantastic. Uh, High School Health, Personal Fitness, and High School Health Nutrition. She has ASL 1 and 2. So we are just so grateful to have her here with at Homeschool Connections. She's such a blessing to us and to her students at the college as well, I have no doubt. And everybody, thanks for being with us. Please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of From Ideal to Real. This is Chantal Howard. I enjoy making the possibility of a holy homeschooling life seem more desirable and possible. So today is a somber day. Ash Wednesday. A day of examination. Talk about a day where we come face to face with the real. (laughs) And sometimes that's hard. It's hard to get out of our comfort zones. After all, you are dust. And to dust you shall return. That's pretty sobering. My homeschooling friends, today we need to dive in and talk about discipline. Truth is, we all know that when we live a disciplined life, we feel more alive, we accomplish more, we draw closer to God, we find meaning and purpose, and we grow in strength, and our capacity for greatness expands. Discipline is an extraordinary tool to growth, and the good Lord knows that. So why then are we so hesitant to stay out of the lane of discipline (laughs) or to drift from it? Because we know it hurts, right? We're weak. We're frail. Our homeschools lose steam. We have distractions. New babies derail us, fatigue, and the weight of the world drag us back into our beds and off of our routine. On one hand, it's okay. We're all about being real here, remember? and true humility lies in self-knowledge. So today I challenge you to do a homeschool examination and recommit. The church gives us Lent every year for this purpose. Sure, in our idyllic minds, we should always stay on the straight and narrow and never fall behind. But the Lord in his mercy, he knows us. He knows us so well. He knows we have to restart and we have to try again over and over and over and over. But the powerful thing is that with Lent, our starting again isn't like starting at the bottom. It actually means acceleration. It allows us to actually climb higher, faster. We draw closer to the victory with every new beginning. He's calling us now into the desert with Him. As you look at your homeschool, let it be stripped of the superfluous and get back to the core disciplines, daily prayer, Gathering again your morning baskets, revisiting your schedules, relaunching out into the deep again. Allow the wisdom of Mother Church to take root in your homeschool. Let's focus on those three areas today, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Are we praying daily as the principal launching off point of our day and our formation? Are we investing time sitting at his feet, praying our rosaries with passion? Has our prayer corner become dusty? When it comes to fasting, what do we need to set aside? Maybe it's the lazy mornings. Maybe it's messy house habits. Maybe we need to fast from some of the spontaneous interruptions that we allow to creep in. Or maybe too many video fallback days have started popping up in our homeschool. (laughs) Why not fast as a family and make our bread, right? Encourage each other in a healthful way to fast together. These traditions of the church challenge us, but they're so good for us. When it comes to almsgiving, I encourage you to ask your children what time can they offer in service? Maybe it's just around the house. Maybe it's the almsgiving of dishes or laundry or, or reorganizing the bookshelves or babysitting so mom can go to adoration. And for us moms, maybe we can give from our surplus in ways that help our children and our families to identify with those who are in need. Maybe it's time as a homeschool to sponsor a child in Haiti or even within our own community or to venture to the soup kitchen. Let's allow ourselves to stare discomfort in the face, to taste it and to understand that the Lord is there with us and he allows us to move forward. Now, many of you may be facing challenging times already and you might think, I don't need a hair shirt. I don't need to fast. My life is hard enough as it is. And to those of you that are struggling and suffering and already enduring great challenges, I encourage you to make it intentional in your offering. So my homeschooling friends, our world needs us to dive into this Lent like never before. This is the real truth. Get out of our comfort zones and press into the pain He will walk with us in the desert, and we will feel the growth and rise out of our stupors to a much higher level. doesn't mean we have to be perfect. We simply have to begin again. I'm Chantal Howard. Go ahead and head over to Aromarosary.com or Chantal-Howard.com. There, you'll find some great Lenten resources, meditations, and even a way to journey through Lent aromatically to enhance the atmosphere of prayer and piety in your home.
0: That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.